0: This is the In Focus podcast from The Hindu. Hello and welcome to the Hindus In Focus podcast with me, Amit Barua, your host for this episode. By quashing the Information and Broadcasting Ministry's order, seizing operations of the Malayalam news channel Media One, the Supreme Court appears to have sent a clear message to the government of the day that the freedom of the press is a key pillar of Indian democracy. At a time when the press is under pressure to toe the government's line, the judgment is also a signal to members of the media that they should do their job without fear or favor. The press, the Supreme Court held, had a duty to speak truth to power. Is the press performing this duty today? What are the larger implications of this April 6th verdict? To discuss these issues, I am joined by N. Ram, Director of the Hindu Publishing Group and former Editor-in-Chief of the Hindu. Welcome to the InFocus podcast, Mr. Ram.
1: It's a pleasure to join this podcast, Amit.
0: Mr. Ram, could you please explain for the benefit of our listeners the salient features of this judgment delivered by Chief Justice Chandrachur and Justice Hima Kohli restoring the operations of the Media One television channel?
1: This is an important judgment, and because it's also a landmark judgment, even though it relates to a particular case where uh, the Union Ministry of Information and Broadcasting had revoked the permission it had granted to Madhyamam Broadcasting Limited to uplink and downlink a news and current affairs TV channel called Media One. It it goes, the significance is much wider. It's a very detailed and well-argued judgment, well-written judgment, authored by the Chief Justice of India, Mr. Justice Chandrachud. And among its highlights are a detailed, in-depth look at the principles of natural justice may come into conflict with apparent conflict with the consideration of national security. So, how, how important are the principles of natural justice, and uh, what should courts do? What is the what is the duty of a court, a higher court, when actions under the cover of national security violate procedural guarantees because earlier it was held that the principles of natural justice, this was a widespread view and it was indeed the contention of the state in this particular case, that the principles of natural justice could not prevail when national security considerations were involved or invoked. And that, I think, uh, the court has decisively rejected such a blanket protection of natural security uh, and uh, discarding the whole idea or the importance of natural justice. That's a very important part of the judgment. What is the core of the principles of natural justice? The court has held it breathed uh, reasonableness into procedure. The court has... Uh, elaborated on the concept of uh, proportionality, on the test of proportionality when it comes to reasonableness. That's one part. Therefore, the challenge that uh, Madhya Broadcasting Limited came up with to the order of the Ministry of Information and Broadcasting and also to the judgment of the Kerala High Court on procedural grounds that challenge was upheld. This is a very, very important part of the judgment it will have a lot of implications for other cases as well. The court has held that uh, the appellants, namely Madhya Broadcasting Limited, they have proved that uh, their right to a fair hearing has been infringed by the unreasoned order of the ministry, which came out in January of 2022. And their rights were infringed by the non-disclosure of relevant material to the appellants and its disclosure solely to the court. It was disclosed to the court and uh, there was a lot of confusion about what happened thereafter, which has gone into in great depth. The court uh, comes down quite heavily on the judgment of the Kerala High Court in a dignified way, but decisively finding fault with uh, the non-application of mind in that particular case. So that's, I think, very important. The importance of what can be called procedural due process derived from the principles of natural justice. And I think uh, every serious journalist must read this judgment first for this aspect. But the challenge to the order of the ministry is also allowed on substantive grounds, and that's important to note. The court has held, and I'm quoting from the judgment, the non-renewal of permission to operate a media channel is a restriction on the freedom of the press. And as we know, freedom of the press, although not specifically mentioned in the constitution, has been derived through judicial interpretation from freedom of speech and expression, which is guaranteed in Article 19(1A) of the Indian Constitution. And it has been held that this can be only reasonably restricted on the grounds stipulated in Article 19.2 of the Constitution. The court has held in this judgment that the reasons for denying a security clearance to MBL, that is Madhyamun Broadcasting Limited, namely its alleged anti-establishment stance and the alleged link of the shareholders to the Jamaati-Islami-Hind, or JEH, these are not legitimate purposes for the restriction of the right of freedom of speech, protected under Article 191A of the Constitution. And in any event, the judgment notes there was no material to demonstrate a link of the shareholders to the Jamaat-e-Islami hin Not that that would have constituted a reasonable restriction, that a ground for that. But in even on the facts of the case, that was completely off. And uh, The court has, I think, gone into great detail about uh, what happens when there is a legitimate invocation, a public interest immunity claim as distinct from sealed cover jurisdiction. And the court has uh, basically come out, frowned on uh, accepting sealed covers because that's even worse than considering a public interest immunity claim. And it has innovatively Held that the court has a power to appoint an amicus curie, and the role of the amicus curie will essentially represent the interests of the person who has been denied access to this information has been gone into. And I think this is a very good innovation in this judgment. So I think it's clearly on both procedural grounds relating to what happened in this case and on substantive grounds. That you can't say that somebody is anti-establishment and therefore I will restrict their uh, this, this person's or this uh, institution's or this company's rights which are guaranteed in, in this case. It is also held, I think that's very important to note, that this is a case of freedom of the press. Because earlier there was confusion about whether the broadcast media enjoyed the same freedom as uh, newspapers magazines, and so on. The old days, the printed news media have also gone into the digital platforms. So I think it's, it's recognized the right of uh, Media One, the television channel, to invoke the protections of Article 19.1a. And that's, I think, a very important development that needs to be noted. It's a very detailed judgment, very learned judgment, well-written. You have to go into the details. But these are the two highlights that uh, come to mind.
0: Mr. Ram, before I ask you about, uh, you know, this the state of the freedom of the press, I just want to touch briefly on, you know, a point that you made uh, relating to national security. Uh, the centre filed a statement before the Kerala High Court submitting this uh, security clearance was denied to the channel on the basis of intelligence inputs that were, quote, sensitive and secret in nature, unquote. The Home Ministry also said that it could not disclose reasons for denying security clearance, quote, as a matter of policy and in the interest of national security, unquote. What do you think of these arguments?
1: They were too vague and completely baseless. I think they just, uh, they were a dodge, I would say, these arguments. And the Supreme Court in this judgment has clearly rejected that. In fact, it found fault with the Kerala High Court, which basically, I think, said uh, we couldn't really figure out uh, what these objections were but uh, they are they seemed serious and the court I think found that this was a non-application of the judicial mind. so I think uh, on this it has come out very strongly. I think the uh, argument put up by the, by the state was uh, deplorable and I think uh, it has been uh, found wanting in this uh, in this judgment as well. Mr. Ram, I'd
0: just like to quote a brief extract from the judgment and then seek your comments on it. And the quote begins, An independent press is vital for the robust functioning of a democratic republic. Its role in a democratic society is crucial for it shines a light on the functioning of the state. The press has a duty to speak truth to power and present citizens with hard facts enabling them to make choices that propel democracy in the right direction. The restriction on the freedom of the press compels citizens to think along the same tangent. A homogenized view on issues that range from socioeconomic polity to political ideologies would pose grave dangers to democracy, unquote. Mr. Ram, you've seen the Indian press closely, you know, for for many decades, including the emergency. Would you say that the Indian press is speaking truth to
1: power today? On the whole, certainly not. Because a large section of... uh... Not just the newspapers, but a large section of the Indian news media are now playing a propaganda role for various complex reasons. Just propaganda for the BJP government at the center, and this is, I think, widely noted not just in India but in numerous places in newspapers like the New York Times, the Guardian. There have been several articles on this on this question, but we certainly feel it here. Just le- let's follow the main news channels on television in the English language. We don't know enough about uh, you know the, the various TV channels that operate a very large number of them in various languages. But uh, subtly, we know that uh, in many cases, influential news television is clearly propagandistic. They're also loud. They're often, they, they some of them purvey misinformation and even disinformation. But they lost their independence they lost their soul there's no doubt about it on the other hand there are spaces amit where uh, there there are voices that are independent there are journalists who work on this there are news organizations both uh, newspapers and uh, those who function on digital platforms digital only news publications uh, that uh, speak up that speak truth to power, and without it, we would be completely lost. We should not underestimate the spaces, these spaces, and the, and their value, and the good work that they do, the quality of their journalism, the investigations that they do. There are those. Otherwise, I think people will get very, very dispirited because you, if you overgeneralize the situation. But basically, the answer to your question is, on the whole, the Indian news media do not speak truth to power. They do not function in an independent way. The chilling effect is an operation. A lot of propaganda is on by, by these news organizations. But there are spaces which should not be undervalued because uh, uh, they, they function independently and vigorously, robustly. And there's nothing wrong in... Uh, Challenging the so-called establishment, provided you do your journalism well. And I think that right has been upheld in this judgment as well. Just by somebody saying you're anti-establishment doesn't mean they can suppress your right to freedom of the press.
0: Mr. Ram, uh, I just want to ask you you know, the advent of technology, modern means of communication, the ability of political leaders to, in a sense, bypass the media and go directly to the people, whether it's through Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or other forms of social media. What implications do you think does this have for our democracy? Because in a sense, the role of the media as an interpreter, the role of the press, the role of the newspaper, the role of the television channel, it has actually shrunk a lot. And as you mentioned, that the propagandist element especially in television has come to the fore so what can be done to sort of curb this
1: yes i think uh, this is a major question and uh, certainly this, uh, the role of the news media in a sense has uh, shrunk yes that's correct because the other the player the scale of operations of uh, the social media giants the search platforms the messaging apps and so on you know It's very hard for media organizations to compete with these giants or these huge players. And we know that there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation on these platforms. Misinformation is just information that is not factually correct, that is wrong, that is inaccurate, that is false. Disinformation is much worse. It is deliberate. It is uh, designed to create toxic if it's motivated, and so on. Uh, these are problems. The, the opportunity in this situation is that you know curated news, as it's sometimes called, or professional journalism, a professional approach to journalism, can win trust on issues that matter, on sensitive issues. Of course, there'll be a lot of harm. There is already a lot of harm done by disinformation and misinformation, which is scaled up on these platforms, on the social media platforms. But as against that, fact checking, good investigations, curated news, high quality professional journalism can make a qualitative difference for those who follow them seriously. But the problem is, you've got to reach the audience. And that's a huge challenge today when uh, younger people are apparently no longer reading printed newspapers in the old way. A lot of them read, but not enough. There's clearly a perception that there's a decline in these numbers. So in this context, you've got to be able to reach all sections of the population and in particular young people who seem to be largely getting their news from mobile phones and so on, smartphones and so on, those of them who have those phones. Uh, So I think there there is this challenge. Technology, on the one hand, you can't really stop it. And today, there is a creeping censorship in India. The so-called IT rules 2021 which have been continually amended. The latest amendment seeks to give the central government maybe the PIB, maybe somebody else, Uh, the power to uh, order the social media intermediaries to take down content which they claim is uh, false or fake, giving them the authority. And I'm sure this is going to be challenged in the Supreme Court of India in in the near future. But uh, this creeping censorship has uh, reached very dangerous limits. Uh, In this context. So, the role of professional journalism, ethical journalism, journalism as we know it, adopting to the new situation, I think is going to become increasingly important. And it is a challenge that nobody can escape. If you're a young journalist today, you've got to be aware of this challenge. You've got to be aware of the big advantage that giants have in this space. But you also have to value the principles and the functions of uh, journalism, like the credible information function, the critical function, which is analytical, which is investigative, which also can be adversarial if required, turn against the establishment, nothing wrong in that if you do it properly. And then you provide a forum for debate and disputation. And if you do all this well, you come to something called an agenda-building role. And I think these things have to be developed consciously against the odds, if you like, today. But there are there is enough talent in, our, in, in the field in India to do it uh, effectively.
0: Mr. Ram, I'd just like to ask you, you know, uh, you know, you along with Chitra Subramaniam broke the Bofors story for the Hindu. And obviously, uh, the government of the day was not pleased with, uh, you know, the stories uh, that you wrote. How would you compare that environment of the late 80s to what the current environment is in India?
1: Yes, that's a good question, Amit. Because, uh, yeah, at that time, there was a cover-up and they were not pleased with uh, this very... Investigation and expose, which went on over a two year period. But uh, to be fair to the Rajiv Gandhi government, there were no raids, no cases were filed against the Hindu or the the people involved. There was some pressure at times. Ads were uh, withheld from public sector, central public sector undertakings in a small way. We didn't really depend on the ads. But uh, to be fair to the Rajiv Gandhi government of the, uh, at that time, they were not nasty in any sense. In fact, I even had a one-on-one meeting with the then Prime Minister, uh, Rajiv Gandhi, which was quite pleasant to discuss the Beaufort's case. I, I, I didn't seek this meeting. They sought this. From, uh, you know, at that time, I was requested to meet him. Part of it was on Sri Lanka. Part of it was on Bofors. But it was quite a civil discussion. We had differences. We went our way. But today, if you had something like Bofors, I think, uh, I don't want to speculate too much, but you'll face a quite different uh, uh, response uh, from the government. But it also depends on uh, which establishment, which media organization is involved in this investigation. It's quite different because... For much less, journalists have been arrested under the uh, UAPA, you know, now sedition has been uh, put on hold by the Supreme Court of India. But there are other laws, the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act under which journalists have been arrested. And India is now, uh, you know, in a very precarious position so far as freedom of the press is concerned. I mentioned the creeping censorship, and I think it is now uh, much worse than anything we saw at that time, although this is not yet an emergency. I I lived through the emergency where there's total censorship and uh, so on. This is not an emergency in that sense, but they are doing the censorship through other means, using other laws. And you know the case of The Wire. They made a mistake. But where was the need to have a police raid uh, taking away the devices, even of their accounts department and so on, based on a complaint for defamation? The defamation shouldn't lead to an FIR. That's a settled law laid down by the Supreme Court. But in, the, in that case, uh, they misused the law, of course, alleged forgery and so on. But the person who was in the center of it was not named as an accused. So I think all kinds of things are happening. Uh, But uh, so I think uh, I I remember, I recall with some respect, uh, the more uh, decent response from the Rajiv Gandhi government. Mr. Ram, before I let you go,
0: I'd like to ask you, you know, we are looking now to the 2024 Lok Sabha elections. So how do you view the interplay between the freedom of the press and the overall democratic rights of uh, the citizens of India?
1: I think it's very important now and later to uh, to assert this right of freedom of the press. It has to be investigated. It has to be critical. It has to be balanced and fair. And it's very important that this is asserted because if it doesn't do it, I think uh, the democratic rights of uh, the people, our citizens, will be seriously compromised because they won't get the information on the basis of which they can make their choice. Whether it's positive information or negative, they'll be denied that information if freedom of the press censorship uh, is allowed to go deeper and further. And there is some indication that uh, because you know you know the. The news organizations depend on the social media to reach people. And if the government is able to say that this post, somebody has posted on Twitter or uh, Facebook or something, is false or fake, of course, the source will be uh, journalism put out by a journalist or by a media organization, news media, professional organization. So you're going to get affected. Monetization for those who... You know, survive on uh, revenues from uh, their digital journalism, working on digital platforms, they'll be seriously affected. So I think now this is, this uh, interaction or interplay is going to be very important. And journalists, I think, should push the boundaries right now. They should assert courageously and uh, actively, proactively, there's right. And that is why this uh, judgment of the Supreme Court, Media One case, I think has become very important, and I think we can uh, build on this from now on. But it will also remain important after the outcome of the 2024 Lok Sabha elections. Whoever comes to power, it will continue to be an issue. This is a, also a long-term a challenge for all of us who value journalism. And I think uh, today we can take heart from uh, this judgment of the Supreme Court, many negative things on the Indian political and media ecosystem, but uh, we can take heart from this judgment and push ahead because uh, there are enough voices, there are enough people who value independent and professional journalism, people like you and me, and I think... uh, there are a lot of young people who can be brought into this fold. Mr. N. Ram,
0: former Editor-in-Chief of The Hindu, thank you so much for talking to the InFocus podcast, and I do hope you will give us more opportunities to speak to you again.
1: It's a pleasure, Amit, uh, doing this podcast with you. Thank you. In
0: Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.